welcome to the Lotus Ladies Podcast. I'm Alison. And I'm Sarah. This is a podcast about all things yoga, where we don't take ourselves too seriously as we flow and let it all go. Enjoy the episode. We are back with our second episode of the Lotus Ladies. How exciting. Yeah. Um, if this is your first time listening, I'm Alison. And I'm Sarah. And we are in downtown Concord, New Hampshire, out of Blossom Yoga Studio. Um, and today our episode is about yoga and what is yoga. Right? Yeah. Okay. What is yoga? What is yoga? So... I kind of contemplated this a lot over the last couple days Mm -hmm. because at first I was like, oh, that's easy. I know what yoga is. It's, you know, what I do all the time. But then I really got to thinking and I couldn't really define yoga in one sentence. You can't. (laughs) Right. You can't. And I think it's, I think it's funny because you look back in history at yoga and really no one definition has been agreed on. No. You kind of have different camps of uh, yogis and what they would define as yoga. (laughs) It's so different. And that's the cool thing about yoga is it has so many different modalities. Mm -hmm. I think that's where you and I are in a lot of agreeance um, because there is a lot of Um, controversy over yoga and the commercialization of it Mm -hmm. and, um, that it takes away from what yoga is. And I think that where you and I are on the same page is that, um, yoga is, is everything like it's, it's not a set thing. Right. (laughs) I totally agree with that. Um, I think, when I, for myself, when I really dig deep and think of what yoga means to me and as a teacher, what I want to bring to my classes to teach, my, what my philosophy is, is that self-liberation where you're dealing with um, separating the self and looking for that true self like we talked about last week and really um, digging deep for that through meditation, through movement, um, through just kind of getting to that point where you can find comfort in these poses, like melt in yeah, and just really let go. And I think that, so preparing for, um, for, you know, what, so what, when I started thinking about what is yoga, I was like, okay, I have to go back and look at the history of yoga and the lineage mm. and how did it get here? Um, so, cause how can we say that something is, is or isn't yoga if we don't know where it came from and looking at where yoga, what we know of what from yoga, what it came from, a lot of this is just passed down from teacher to student and um, yes, yoga did originally start off from a spiritual perspective. You know, you have the uh, Upanishads where mm-hmm. that's where yo- the first yoga is talked about in text. And it's more of a meditative practice. And then we have 
um, the Yoga Sutras by Patanjali. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the philosophy comes from. And we're able to separate religion from yoga from Deskachar. And he's the one that really globalized yoga. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of um, perspectives and opinions that what we're doing here isn't yoga and that we need to get back to the roots of yoga. But if you look at, so Deskachar's father was Krishnamacharya and um, Deskachar never wanted to practice yoga as a child. It wasn't until he was an adult. He actually grew up and became an engineer. And uh, I mean, we could, there's really a lot of depth here, but I'm going to try to like keep it very, very, very (laughs) concise. (laughs) Um, But what he did was he, um, and his, and and Krishnamacharya, Chris. I'm going to call him K. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he was a life learner, like we talked about yeah. in the last episode. His yoga journey, where he is known and renowned as a healer and a guru. and But his yoga journey, if you read his bio from childhood all the way up to his death, it was, it was a very long road. And... Um, Going back to Deskachar. So he never wanted to practice yoga with his dad. His dad tried to force him to. Um, and he came home after he had grown up, became an engineer, and he saw a woman come praise his father for healing her, that she had had no relief in 20 years, and she finally had a good night's sleep. And then all of a sudden, a light bulb went off his, in his head, and he asked his dad to start teaching him. But he asked, but he, and his dad at first didn't want to. Uh, and he finally did. And uh, Badesca Char said, but I don't, but you have to take the religion out of it. And so then, and I think that's really beautiful and, and how you can see how it spread globally now, because you can take, you can take religion out of it and leave it as just a philosophy, but all religions can apply yoga to their own practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so and, um, you know, yoga was a dying practice in India. You know, it was popularized. Um, he, he did try to come up with really creative ways to sell yoga um, to, get it, to get it going in the communities again. And I think that when people say, you know, the goat yoga or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, it's um, what other kinds of yoga do people criticize is just the whole commercial commercialization of it and right. people criticize it and it's modern like modern day yoga yeah it's like but you got to look at the, what what's modern day yoga yeah it's like modern means keeping up with science yeah and again things uh, adapt and change you you have so many ancient practices in in life through not just yoga but they've never stayed the same right they continue to adapt with modern practice meaning science behind it with yoga we've learned about body mechanics we've learned about pranayama stuff breathing mm-hmm. um and i don't think it's wrong for something to be called yoga that might not necessarily fit into that little box of um that ancient text that you know where it came from i think that once you start judging somebody else's practice of not being yoga, then you're no longer practicing your yoga. Uh, yes, exactly. That's yep. It's kind of like 
keep your keep your body eyes on your mat. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> yes. And who am I to define yoga to anybody? Yeah. So and and so the yoga sutras that that provides us with the philosophy and it's like this roadmap for us, right? But mm-hmm. we all have our own roadmap and however that seed is planted, that's all we need. Your roadmap is different than everyone else's. And, you know, we all have our own journeys. Like I talked about a little bit before, my story is I first yoga class I took was 20 years ago. You know, a seed was planted, but I didn't actually kind of cultivate and develop that until many, many years later. But that seed was planted, it was in there. And I think that, um, especially in the world we live in, if, if, Somebody can come to any kind of any kind of class, and they leave feeling they they got disconnected from the world out there. Yeah, they they have a smile on their face. They feel better. That's all that matters. Right, I agree with that. Uh, and I think keeping that safe space to have that happen is doing yoga. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it's on a farm. It doesn't matter if it's by the ocean. If you're able to turn inward and really, I, I think there's a lot of um, threads that can be tied into all these forms of yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Your goat yoga, your heat yoga, your kundalini yoga, um, yoga for flexibility, yoga for strengthening where we're using straps. Mm-hmm whatever kettlebells there's kettlebells in yoga i think it was um was iyengar that went to christian macario because he was in he was a gymnast right Mm -hmm. and he was having like a lot of pain in his body and so i see a constant thread of this heals the body yeah (laughs) and we're constant and yeah and a lot of adaptation like ashtanga yoga was for Mm -hmm. to burn the energy off of boys you know and it's like what do we have now that's beautiful chair yoga you know the world we live in now we sit all the time our bodies adapt to the world we live in and we have to keep adapting yoga for the body of the current world exactly that's that modern yoga um yeah it's fascinating uh i remember when i first picked up the yoga sutras patanjali's yoga sutras at first i was like what is this how do i unpack this i know i tried to read the sanskrit and that took that was so mentally challenging that by the time i got to the translation part i was like okay it's definitely a book you reread and i think it's a book put out there already thinking you, it's not just a book you go in the bookstore and pick up yeah. and be like, oh, I get this. I feel like it's a book kind of meant for if you already almost have an understanding <laughs> of the baseline. Because it is, it's a, and I don't know if it was meant to be uh, unpacked in a full reading. I feel like it's one of those books where you pick it up, you read a couple, mm-hmm. you put it down, and you, you let it sit with you. Yeah. Um, and the eight limbs of yoga, which basically define. Yeah, that's when we talk about yoga, I think anyone who, you know, teaches yoga or goes through any type of... Teacher training. Yeah, like the eight limbs yes. and the yoga sutras. Like that's what we... Well, that's what yoga quote is, right? That's what you're taught from, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's a great roadmap. It is. You know? But if you look at the yoga sutras, the eight limbs of yoga don't come till the way end of the oh, book. Yeah. There's way much more... 
than the eight limbs in that book. And <laughs> once you start unpacking it, then I think, like I said at the beginning, you see what it's all about. It's all about being able to separate yourself from all that material stuff, all that stuff that you can see, feel that tactile stuff mm -hmm. and feeling the essence of all that stuff, knowing you're more than that physical body. You're more than a mom. You're more than your career, <laughs> you know, yep. it's just really getting to the heart of the essence of you remembering that we're all part of that cosmic yes that universal connection and that you were talking about that last week we're all part of that cog that like yeah. energy flow through whatever it is we're all connected in some way okay so the eight limbs of yoga yes okay so let's tell our listeners what well, yeah, <laughs> what they are what they are <laughs> okay so the first we have eight limbs the first limb is yama and that's basically how we behave towards others and then the second is niyama, and that's how we behave towards ourselves. In essence, we can definitely go deeper into these. The <laughs> third is asana, and that's the physical movement. And that's what, when people say yoga, that is what the majority of people consider yoga. It's just this one limb, the asana. And then the fourth is pranayama, and that is breath work, expanding your life force. And then pratyahara is the turning the senses inward. Um, the sixth limb is dharyana, focused attention. And then our seventh limb is a meditative state. And then eight is samadhi, that liberation, what we're all seeking, right? Freedom. Um, and you know what I love about, I do, I do love eight. <laughs> of course I do. But uh, when you're practicing on your mat in a class, and I think that's why it's important for um for teachers to understand this, you can't teach this all in a class in one time. You know what I mean? Oh um, God, yeah. But when you're on a mat, you get to the point where you're doing all of these things, what, one through six, right? You are the first one, Yama, how to behave towards others. You're right. holding space for the other people in the room with you. Yep. Niyama, how you behave to yourself. You're, are you judging yourself on the mat? How are you treating yourself when you don't stick a pose or it's hard to get in and out of positions? Mm -hmm. uh, the asana, just the actual movement of your body, obviously. Um, the breath work, linking the breath to the movement. Um, turning your senses inward and getting that feedback. And that focused attention. Um, and actually, you know, I would even go as far as to say you come into a meditative state. You do those sun salutations over and over and you come into this medi meditative movement. And I think that's kind of like long distance running or swimming or something. You know, that repetitive th same thing mm. over and over becomes very meditative. Like the runner's high mm -hmm. that run. Yeah, same yeah. thing with yoga. I 100% agree with that. And the eight limbs were written in a way where first step prepares you for second, second prepares you for third, for, you know, yeah. each limb prepares you for the next, for the next limb. So looking past what most people would define yoga is the movements, the sonnets, there's so much more before it and after it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, you, I mean, I started with the movement. Yeah. There's, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, too, like, that's what we hold space for. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and I think because in the modern world too, um, 
we are just the society we live in. Like we, we are brought up body shaming Mm -hmm. and it's hard to feel comfortable moving your body. And so taking that first step to move your body around other people is really freaking hard. And so, you know, it's not just movement. That's a big step to come in and do something like that. So, you know, when people say that that's not yoga, I absolutely disagree. I, yeah. Yep. Yoga is, is your, it's a self journey. Mm -hmm. It is what it is to you and what it means to be on your mat is going to differ from person to person. Um, and that's okay. Like it's a beautiful thing. I got to teach a beginner yoga class here, um, as a sub and it was really fun working with people who students who really want to learn the postures and learn, um, to be comfortable on their mat. Uh, they're, you know, they come in here, like you said, and it's a little overwhelming to move your body in a room full of people mm-hmm. and listen to a teacher while you're looking down <laughs> and you want to look up, but then it, you know, it kind of brings you out of the moment, learning to follow that, that, that voice in the room. And it was just really fun working with them and really slowing everything down and walking through each posture and listening to their feedback. Like we worked on happy baby, for instance, and one of the women was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And I said, okay, what do you mean when you say you don't know if you're doing it right? Are you comparing it because you don't look like the person next to you on your mat or you're just not feeling where you think the stretch should be in your body? And it came out, well, you're, yeah, I don't feel like I can get my legs up and my feet to the outside, my hands outside of my feet like the people next to me. Okay. Well, let me see your happy baby. Yes, you're doing, you're doing that right, <laughs> right? Like you're doing it right. It's okay. Uh, and I stopped using the word modifications in my classes because I think it makes people feel like they're dummying it down. Right. So I use the word variations, mm-hmm. and Beautiful. I feel like I get a better response <laughs> with people because it is that that voice that shows up. That's yeah. that judging voice and. That's, I think, one thing we're trying to really push in as yoga teachers is that mm-hmm. self-liberation, that mokshashantra, mokshashantra. <laughs> I can never say those Sanskrit words, but yeah, self-liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, checking in with who's showing up for you and being your own little cheerleader. <laughs> it's a practice. Yeah. It is a practice. And we, we kind of talked about that last week, and I... I um, had recommended a book and I couldn't think of the name of the book. I don't know if you remember. No. <laughs> I was like, oh, I read this in the watering the flowers, not the weeds. Yes. And it was the heart of yoga. Oh, okay. So <laughs> if you uh, are looking for an awesome yoga book to read, mm-hmm. read that book. Okay. It is old school. Uh, it's, um, what's his name? We said it today. Uh, Deskachar? Deskachar. <laughs> Just see, I'm really bad with pronouncing these words. Um, I used to be super good at Sanskrit uh-huh. when I did my 300 hour training. I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna teach in Sanskrit. And then you get in the classroom and you're like, Nobody's gonna understand what I'm saying. And am I even saying these words right? Um, but yes, that's a great book, and that's what I referred to last week in class in our um 
podcast, that book. Um, I now I'm drawing a blank because as you were saying that, I was thinking of, because we were just talking about the Yoga Sutras by Patanjali, yep. which absolutely go by that book if you don't have it. But um, Nishala Joy Devi wrote her, basically did, what's the name of it? Um, and I love it because... It's from, not only is it from a female perspective, but she takes the yoga sutras and makes them positive. So whereas, whereas Patanjali's, you, there, you get a lot of don't do this. Yeah. With Nishala, it's more of, it's just more positive and is do this. Yeah. Embody and I, this. I know what book you're talking about. And I, oh, again. The Secret Path of Yoga. No, The Secret. Oh. We'll have it for you next episode. <laughs> <laughs> just like I did last time. <laughs> brain freeze um yeah. yeah and any book you pick up that is a translation of the yoga sutras the bhagavad gita oh yeah you're going to find different paths mm-hmm. and that's why you can't define yoga yeah because again we all view it through this different lens yeah this human vessel yes mm-hmm. exactly my experiences in my life your experiences in your life we have this lens that we're looking through from all of our past experiences that are going to, how do we see things? And it's all going to be different. Mm-hmm. And as we grow, we adapt ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like Krishnamacharya, he adapted and grew himself, you know? And Oh, yeah. If you look back at how yoga used to be taught, it was student to teacher. Yeah. You didn't have a, a class of students. You had... Uh, uh, your guru, your yoga teacher, and you'd go and it'd be you and that person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it was a lot of men. Yeah, they did not like teaching to women. No. Um, but, I mean, you do have some brilliant women in yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, it's important to know the history of yoga and look at the lineage of it because you can appreciate how far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and in this journey together that we've taken. Yeah, right. He was known as like really strict and volatile in his earlier years, and as he grew, and, Christian Macharya. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then as he grew and became older, people called him a gentle, sweet man. Right? Like <laughs> we all have our own healing to do. Right? Yeah. No, any anybody out there as brilliant and gifted as they are. We're all healing. Yeah. We're all working towards bettering ourselves. Exactly. And and that's beautiful to see because that's an example of just being a life learner and, and that, that drive to continue to, to be better. But Yeah, to be to be better, to yeah. be to be more than this human vessel you're in. You're more than that. Mm-hmm. And keeps coming back to that for me is you're more than this physical being you are okay and you know why i love the okay the word sutra sutra means thread and what can we find in everything and everywhere threads of similarities while none of us are exactly the same there's these threads that connect us all throughout throughout the world throughout life and um i had this this visualization as <laughs> I love my visualizations. Yeah, me too. They're great. <laughs> so imagining like looking at looking at the map, 
the world and looking at India and seeing that it yoga is becoming a dying practice, right? It's nowhere else in the world right now. It's in India. And you have like these little light torches of these teachers that are out there passing on their knowledge to those people out there. And then when Deskachar basically globalized it, now we have all these light torches all around the world. And it's like, you can look at the globe as being lit up and just... Oh, I love that. (laughs) That is so cool. Yeah, I do. I like that a lot. And just, yeah, to see how much it's grown and the light it brings and the energy that's being uh, shared. Yeah. That's beautiful. So I... Personally, I don't care if you're an Instagram yogi, if you're a goat yogi, there is a place for you and a purpose for you and you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. So, you know, screw everybody else that says (laughs) you're not doing it. I agree. (laughs) Screw them. I had a teacher and she said, do you brush your teeth? You're a yogi. (laughs) Just that daily. Okay. So going back to the, uh, we were going to talk about the comments we got about our question. And one of the comments was um, like taking care of yourself in peace. Right. And I I immediately thought of that because take brushing your teeth is that's a, that's a very, that's everyone does that. Right. That's self care. You hope everybody (laughs) do that. Right. Yeah. True. But um, (laughs) it is. And it's funny because I um, get to teach kids yoga uh, every other Sunday and listening to them when we talk about yoga and what they say, it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, I had one little boy. Oh my God, he was so funny. Um, he was really into like the breathing of yoga. He would sit there and I, <laughs> he, he sat with me. It was just me and him for a, a class. And this was last summer. Um, and he was sitting there learning to breathe and really dig in the pranayama stuff. Mm-hmm. And the next time he came in, he goes, I love yoga. <laughs> and I was like, I am so happy that you're really loving yoga. He goes, I, I learned how to breathe. So now when I sit on the potty, I'm not sitting there going, <laughs> I use my breath. And I was just Do like, you go to the bathroom. You're a yogi. You're a yogi, <laughs> right? I was like, yes, kid. Okay, that. and so, I mean, we could do a whole episode on mindfulness because I think that is a huge thread of yoga is bringing the mindfulness into it. So, yeah, you can do anything with mindfulness, and that's practicing yoga. That's bringing union mm-hmm. to body, mind, and soul, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we had some a couple. Nice little comments on our um, on our Facebook page of what yoga is to you, and uh, you mentioned one of them. Um, another one uh, listener said, uh, "Allowing my body to move freely and aligning my energy." Yes, energy alignment. Right? That's what we're doing. We're like moving you, energy. You leave here and you feel <laughs> balanced, and mm-hmm. put back together in a way, right? Yeah. Or maybe you shed all the yuck from your day yeah and you let things go (laughs) yeah we do we carry around all that energy we store it and we walk around with it day after day and that's that feeling in the body the tightness Mm -hmm. you know you and you notice it with little things if you're holding on to something your shoulders are up oh yeah turned inward you're like um yeah i like that one another one was um listening to what my body needs and not just telling my body what to do. Oh, I love that. That's a good one, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the one you read, Peace and Taking Care of Myself. Oh, this one was nice. We talked about this one too. I would really like to get into a yoga practice. Right now, I have the desire to stand in tree pose for a very long time. Yes. That's beautiful. I think so too. Like yeah. your body's craving something yes. and you're tuned into that, yeah. right? And I think that, um, okay, so one of the scariest things for me um, doing yoga was the first time I ever did a class where the teacher didn't tell me what to do. And she <sighs> said, you know what to do. And I, I, I was in, t- in, in good tears at the end of it. Yeah. I was in tears because I was like, holy shit, that's fucking powerful. <laughs> that's that self-liberation. Yeah. And I might be saying the word wrong, but I'm pretty sure in yoga it's called moksha shastra. Am I saying that right? I don't know. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> it's self-liberating. <laughs> Knowing your body, you're moving past those self-limiting behaviors yeah you're going beyond what you expect from yourself Mm -hmm. you're um making that you're forcing yourself to go inward yes you're like well i'm here on my mat now i have no choice yeah it's like (laughs) just let it all go all right we're here even if it's just laying in child's pose for 30 minutes yeah until you're like okay what's next but yeah and i think there's a uh, when i read that comment about the tree pose i said Ooh, this person in my brain. I'm like, oh, that's when I want to ground myself. I want to grow yeah. those roots. Me too. Yes. And I like, <laughs> I I need grounding. Yeah. I feel like I could stand in tree pose. That's the first thing I thought of too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always think of those roots grounding under the feet, growing. And we're in that season right now mm-hmm. where the trees. That's what oh, they're yeah. doing. They're shedding all that stuff they no longer need. And rooting down through those roots. Yeah, going all the way in to get away from the elements. So if you're craving tree pose, come do Do some yoga. Just do it. (laughs) Yeah, just (laughs) pop into it. And who cares if you fall out of it? I always tell people that's fun about the pose. You find that ease and almost like that letting go sensation. Oh, yeah, it's freedom. Mm -hmm. Liberation, baby. (laughs) I think that is a great way to end this episode. I do too. Yeah. So we will be back um, next week. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, yeah. Thank you for um, liking our pages on all the social medias. It's flattering. Yeah. I'm glad we can all come together and share something like this that brings people together. Absolutely. And if anyone has any comments, ideas, go ahead and shout them out to us. We are happy to talk about all things yoga. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Namaste.